0: I'm Zannie Louise, I am a children's book author, and I mentor writers, and I run online courses through my website, ZannieLouise.com. Today is a special podcast crossover with Words and Nerds podcast, and I'm chatting to the podcast host, Danny V, who is not just a podcast host, she does loads of other things, including writing books for kids. Danny has a new book coming out very soon called My Epic Dad and I wanted to chat to Danny about funny books because I've also got a book out this month called Monsties, The Lost Bunny. It's the first Monsties book in the chapter book series illustrated by Kyla May, written by myself and published by Hardy Grant. And Danny and I thought it would be fun to talk about what makes funny books books, some of the challenges of writing funny stuff for kids, and all the things we learned along the way about, you know, writing comedy. So we hope you enjoy listening into this conversation recorded on Bungeling Land.
1: Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny B.
0: From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because you put your heart
1: and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing the podcast has over 50,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. You talk about all the things that I've been doing with myself for so long. And I mean,
0: you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host.
1: We chat about books, the writing process and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm uh, feeling sick. <laughs> Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Welcome to the Words Nerds crossover episode. I'm Danny V. And
0: I'm Zannie Louise at the Sunshine House.
1: And today we're going to celebrate uh, our new books that are coming out. But more than that, we're going to talk about the struggle of creating comedy in picture books, or as I say, my attempt to create comedy in picture books, Zannie.
0: So no pressure that we're going to be funny because we're going to no, talk no. about that's actually not that easy to try and be funny in a book. I don't know. That's right. I, I, we- did you find it easy? Oh, God, no.
1: God, I'll tell you all about <laughs> my struggles. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's actually really important to share because sometimes I think people underestimate kids' books that are funny and they think, oh, they must have written that in their lunch break, When the mm-hmm. reality is I found it super hard um and a lot a lot of months and thought mm, you know yeah. chapters that never made it
0: yeah. <laughs> anywhere to the cutting room floor yeah.
1: <laughs> that's right <laughs> so i thought um yeah we had this chat before that we just have a conversation unscripted even uh about the struggle uh and the joy of creating funny picture books so so your what's the book you've got coming out this month danny uh my epic dad takes us fishing And that's going to be out in July just in time for Father's Day. So that is very exciting. And Uh, your book, Zanny?
0: My book is called The Monsties. It's the first book in The Monsties, actually. It's called The Lost Bunny. So it's uh, a Kyla May, Zanny Louise co-production. Uh, So Kyla May and I've done the Paris Takes Over the World series. uh, And I just love working with Kyla. I mean, she's funny. She's like her pictures are just hilarious. So, yeah, I I have a little kind of um, getaway card there with working with Kyla
1: yeah and that's the same um you know when you write a picture book mm. you are when you're writing the manuscript you're not relying on the illustration so much but when they come back you're like oh that's another layer of comedy over it that mm. you know, i think you needed that double layer of comedy which really adds to it it's almost like two parallel stories particularly with a picture book i'm not sure if it's the same with a, it's a series
0: well it's the same with the monsties because the monsties is fully illustrated you yeah. know it's color illustrations the whole way through so it is Technically, it's a chapter book. Uh, I think it's two or 3,000 words, um, but it's heavily, heavily relying mm-hmm. on illustrations.
1: Did you, um, when you got it back, you know, when you have a look at the proofs or whatever, were you really surprised by some of the illustrations?
0: Uh, not really, only because I have worked with Kyla on several books before. So I, I you know, I'm, I'm surprised in as much as, wow, how does she think about these yeah, things? Like, yeah. how does she come up with this thing? Um, So our series began because Kyla sent our publisher, Hardy Grant, uh, a little cast of monsties and she called it the monsties and she sent the five monsties characters. She hadn't named them. She hadn't attributed any personalities or anything. That's what she sent and the kind of rough pitch of, you know, maybe they live in scary land. (laughs) And so I came up with, you know, their characterization and their personalities and all of that sort of stuff. But, you know, it was just going off the images alone. Uh, It had so much to work
1: with because they already were invested
0: with so much personality Mm, through the pictures. I love that.
1: Yeah, I think with um, the My Epic Dad series, this is the second book, um, there wasn't a dog in the manuscript and she came back Marina varola and said, Oh, can I put a dog in it? I'm like, Yeah, like, sure, right? Kids love dogs. <laughs> and it turns out this dog just has no lines, no dialogue, oh. not even referred to in the manuscript, but it is the funniest, cutest dog with the best personality just because of her illustrations. Yeah. And every time I've gone out to read either camping or fishing to kids, yeah, I'm like, oh, they always want to find the dog. So the new thing is, as I'm reading it, they point to find this dog that was well, not even in the manuscript. And then the kids yeah. are like, Can a dog have its own book? Like that's the magic of illustrations, right, these unexpected things that come in that people love.
0: And especially with picture books because picture books are so layered. So you've got the text, of course, and you've got the pictures that go with the text. But the illustrators I've talked to have had so much fun doing those little subplots. Like your illustrator, who is the illustrator of Extraordinary Dad? Uh, oh, sorry, Epic Dad. <laughs> <laughs> extraordinary Mum, Epic Dad. Get yeah, it right, it's
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty extraordinary. Uh, Marina Varola. and yeah, um, cool. yeah, and she was just so clever in doing that, and I love that. And I think, you know, I loved when my kids were in that sort of pre-kindergarten stage, and they were, at, yeah. you know, in Sydney we call it preschool. And they were reading picture books just via the pictures and making up their own stories. And I thought, how amazing that you're right. They're so layered in that they have that story you can just read visually. Yeah. When they get it but you can add the words to it. And so I love that layeredness of picture books. I think that's the magic in them.
0: And that's and how you said the kids are coming up with their own story and that you're not even suggesting, hey, kids, how about we come up with a story for the dog? Mm. It's them coming to you. Can we come up with a story about the dog? But I think that's where kids are just such active participants in a book. And I think it's true for humor as well. Um, the more a kid is invested in coming up with stuff themselves, the funnier or the more satisfying the experience yeah, will be. Is that absolutely. what you found?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if they've had that experience. So before I've gone into read camping or fishing, who's been camping? 99% of kids have gone camping. Who's gone fishing? Most kids in Australia at least have gone to the beach at least. And so, you know, you sort of a what's gonna happen in this book and there's all they always have actually the worst ideas like the scariest <laughs> ideas you know what? I'm like whoa I didn't think of that I thought that'd be too scary <laughs> but oh. they, they have the best ideas about a shark eats dad I'm like well no because it's a picture book yeah, yeah.
0: although it's, it's so funny kids aren't because I went to I actually went to a school and this was high, high school so year seven and eight and these kids were out at um Evans Head and Uh, some of these kids were coming from Karakai, which is this little riverside community, inland community. And um, these kids haven't really, they hadn't written much before and I sort of had them with a piece of paper doing some writing and we were writing about place and everything. And uh, one of these kids said, no, nothing ever happens in our place, in our town. And I said, well, tell me a little bit about the town. Oh, it's got a river. I was like, tell me about the river. Oh, I don't know. Sometimes it's got bull sharks in it. (laughs) Like, what? You're like a hundred kilometers from the coast how do you have sharks in your river oh yeah i was bitten by a shark once
1: <laughs> just another day it's yeah. not exciting just yeah. another day yeah they're crazy i know <laughs> I no <love> stories <laughs> no stories just been bitten by a shark that's the best thing, though, about communicating with kids when you bring your book to them. You know, like you learn so much as you're reading it. You learn, you know, what things – and this is, you know, for me as a new writer as well. I mean, you're quite prolific, Zanny, but, you mm. know, I'm still very new. <laughs> and you go out to schools and you go, oh, this is what they find funny or this is what they find really engaging yeah. or this is, this is, you know, some of the pages I didn't expect them to find the funniest and that's the page they find the funniest. Mm-hmm. So it's a real education for me as a new writer as well because you're writing these Sort of, you know, just you and your laptop. I'll I'll swing them past my own children, but there's only two of them. <laughs> and so when you start well, to go out to schools, you're like, oh wow, this is cool. You like, it's been an education. I think that's really important, and that's what you do
0: have to do, particularly mm. probably if you're writing funny books, is go and engage with kids yeah. and kind of workshop it in a way. And 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 you got to be in touch with kids to know what's funny, because obviously Absolutely. you know they're people too, and they mm. might not necessarily share your sense of humour. So.
1: Yeah, no, and I think it's respecting them as well, you know, and respecting yeah. the art of um, Kid Lit, which, you know, I hope people, and I hope through this episode, people can understand, you know, just how, how difficult it can be to write particularly funny kids' books. And, you know, we yeah. know a lot of authors who write funny kids' books as well. And there's a lot of thought and love and sweat and tears that go into that. So I think, you know, this episode's hopefully going to try and honour that.
0: Hopefully. Well, firstly, what do you think makes a funny book? Do you, I mean, you're a reader <laughs> yeah, of books as yeah. well, but. But what what are some of the golden rules of a funny book? Do you yeah, think? Yeah,
1: it's it's really funny because my my son he's an avid reader and he started sort of with the Wimpy Kid and the Treehouse, all those you know sort of really successful books. And I thought, well, kids they obviously resonate with kids these books, you know. Hmm. So whenever he'd sort of laugh, I'd like tell me tell me what was funny, tell me what mm. was funny. <laughs> and I think Jeff Kinney particularly has this real knack at almost going. Over the line of too far. what's appropriate and what's yeah. not, but pulls it back just in time, like a, with a little hair space just in time. Yeah. And I think kids of that age, you know, sort of eight year olds or whatever, they kind of enjoy that push to the, oh my God, it's nearly inappropriate, but he didn't go there. And I yeah, think that's, yeah. that's kind of that safe risk taking for kids. So my son and his, you know, first child rule you know never does anything outside the rules so he kind of likes that edging on that risky behavior that he wouldn't engage in in yeah real life. yeah so I think the pushing to the edge I think they're ridiculous you know like you go yeah. to the treehouse stories and no one questions the bowling alley or the swimming pool in a treehouse or how high that treehouse has gotten mm-hmm. because it's ridiculous and exaggerated so I often find those things can create humor as well as the unexpected which is you know leans into your swimming pool and your your bowling alley and also going against stereotypes and against the unexpected. So you think something's going to happen and then the opposite happens. Mm. So I think think for me, you know, if you have to, because sometimes writing comedy can be quite clinical, you know, mm. and I have, you know, you try and sort of write it, just use your first draft and then I'll go back and say, oh, you know, is, is this ridiculous? Is there exaggeration here? Have I gone against stereotypes enough? And Adam Wallace, Funnily, whenever I speak to Adam Wallace or Adrian Beck, I learn something about comedy. Even if I'm, you know, they're not meaning to teach me, I'm like, oh, I just mm. learned something. Yeah. And Adam said something really interesting, and this is what they use in The Simpsons. So they use mm. this repetition, repetition, repetition. It's funny, and then it gets almost ridiculous and monotonous, mm. but you keep doing it and it becomes yeah. funny again.
0: Yeah. So I
1: remember this scene with Bart Simpson, who kept touching the plug and he kept going, ouch ouch Ouch! (laughs) (laughs) just kept going on i remember that scene yeah everyone remembers it and it's really funny because they went to the point of this is getting a bit ridiculous yeah it gets so ridiculous it gets funny again so there's all these little techniques used by you know the best most successful things that have resonated with kids and people around the world and i think you have to take notice of those things
0: Yeah, well, you have to do the masterclass in comedy. I mean, I've sort of accidentally done it just because the only thing I watch on television is comedy. Like Mm -hmm. I cannot sit down to watch a drama or a documentary to save myself. (laughs) It has to be comedy. And so you're always absorbing those little things, whether you're doing it, you know, deliberately or undeliberately. And I do love funny books as well. I'm definitely drawn to them.
1: What have you been watching? I'm interested because that always feeds into what, you know, you create even if it's not obvious.
0: True. Um, Well, we're very, as a family, we sit down and watch family comedy these days. So I don't even watch my own TV shows anymore. (laughs) So we watch, you know, Modern Family, Parks and Recreation. We've just finished Tad Lasso last night. Oh, Parks and Rec. Oh, my
1: favourite.
0: I know. (laughs) So I think what I find funny is that sort of quirky, warm humour. You know, it's definitely character driven. It's not so much the ridiculous slapstick stuff, although I can appreciate that stuff. Mm -hmm. I I love the, I I guess I find it's it's about the characters and how the characters interact and the dynamics. So that's probably what feeds into my stuff as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And when speaking about Parks and Rec, I just have this absolute love for Parks and Rec. It's mm. just the characters and how much you love them, even though they're completely flawed. Sometimes they're completely horrible to each other. Yeah, but it has that warmth behind it that they've got each Always. other's back no matter what. Yeah, and there's I
0: like a kindness in all those shows actually that yeah. we watch. Even Brooklyn Nine Nine, you know, it's inherently oh, a kind Brooklyn, show. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. and yeah. The, and and obviously all the character the caricatures are exaggerated and and there's something about each of the characters that they have to stick to their thing and every now and then they break it and and that's where you go oh i love you you know when when they sort of are inverted and homer simpson or any of those caricatures do it as well at some point like they are so true to character until they're not and that's also funny
1: and that's real that's real. you know we're, we're all certain people but then sometimes we yeah. break out of it for whatever reason who are we the company where we or the, the top of the day it is. you know sometimes yeah. we do that as well i think for me the, the funniest show that i always go back to and it is ridiculous is scrubs oh we love like, scrubs yeah. oh, we've got the same yeah <laughs> yeah same yeah tasting scrubs. <laughs> and again it's got those amazing wild characters yeah but you know th- but you know behind that is that Beautiful friendship and that togetherness. So, yes, yes Scrubs is definitely one of my favourites for sure.
0: Yes. Well, actually, I haven't watched that for years. That's not one we've reintroduced to yeah. the family. You know, that was one we watched before we had kids, but definitely keen to re-explore Might that one. Might be time.
1: Might be time. Yeah, <laughs> I think Scubs so. Scrubs back on the TV.
0: <laughs> so When you sit down to write your books, are you thinking about, you know, uh, are you doing a little bit of character sketching? Are you thinking about how could I make this character funnier, things like that?
1: yeah i think for me um i know people do character sketches and character profiles session i've tried that but i just i get really bored of that mm. and so Good part point. of my writing process is actually a lot of thinking so it looks like I'm not doing anything. So yeah. my publisher's like, have you written anything yet? Like, trust me, this is 90% of the process. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Thinking. Absolutely. And so I do get lost in my own mind occasionally. I think that's, you know, writer's curse. And that's when I'm doing the thinking of this character, this character. So yeah, I do a lot of that in my head. And I think you're right because I start with characters. And then how do I make this particular character who's got these particular traits, how do I make that unexpected exaggerated ridiculous against stereotypes mm. you know all those things to create the comedy and I think for me it does come from character I mean situational I I, I, I don't mind situational comedy and that mm. happens in you know epic dad obviously <laughs> lots of things go wrong but yeah. at the heart of that story it's still about this optimistic, adventurous dad who loves to take his kids on adventures. Yeah. You know, so it's still very much got that heart to it, even though it is quite, you know, situational and ridiculous behind that it's got the characters who. Yeah, so mine starts with character. What about you?
0: Yeah, well, definitely character for something like the monsters, you know, because mm-hmm. I guess the way we develop collaboratively is Kyla will do the drawings, you know, so I'll, I'll see her visual impression of who these characters are and then I do like a little personality sketchboard in a way, like who is this character? I come up with names. I look at a big factor of a cast-like book like this is that you have to make the characters distinctive from one another. So I definitely exaggerate personality styles, you know, so one is like especially scared and then one is especially brave and one is especially kind. And that that's probably true to form with those comedy shows I'm watching as yeah. well you know, it's kind of, you, you know what to expect from certain characters, you know what they're going to do in a particular situation. And they're so exaggerated and they're so distinctive from each other. And that's what you get, you know, you, they have to play off each other.
1: And that's where you get the banter. Because yeah. when I, you know, my other hat, when I read manuscripts for a publisher in, in yeah. you know, the slush pile, I'm always looking at that banter or that relationship between characters that can be quite funny and when there's that conflict and i'm not meaning you know conflict they're against each other but that conflict of personality and that tension that's where you also get some really cool comedy because people are so different they see things so differently and that's funny
0: yeah oh definitely and you yeah i I love writing dialogue like i i used to love theater um i wrote plays for a little while and i think it's what i love most about writing is the dialogue Mm -hmm. and so that's a really important part of it, like you say, is, is you need that distinctiveness from each other to get some dynamic between that in that dialogue because otherwise it would probably be a bit monotonous.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And when I read manuscripts, that's exactly what mm. you know makes it shine and I'm like, yeah. oh, yes, this is, this is the thing because I think we talk about lots of things, comedy, and we talk about setting and we talk about all these things that are really important, but I think yep. for me it always comes back to character.
0: Oh, definitely, yeah, for me too. And there are like little Easter eggs you can put into setting, you know, so Monsties is set in scary land. So we've come up with Scary Mart and the scary theme park and, (laughs) you know, just and kind of use relatable things um, like the supermarket. Mm. And then you put it into a monster kind of land. What would that supermarket look like? So all of the Monsties, you know, they go shopping and, they go shopping for things like octopus tentacles or <laughs> pu- python breath or frog not or something, but then they always have to have strawberry ice cream. So it's that relatability which, you know, it's, it's surprising, it's unexpected, but it's also relatable. And I think mm. you need that in a kind of ex- over-the-top comedy yeah. style book to make it accessible for kids and so too. possibly funny as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And that's, you know, my epic dad exactly like that, you know, mm. going out, Fishing or camping with yeah. dad, with the family, all that like really relatable stuff. But yeah. then that layer of you know all these things that happen in one trip, which yeah. probably is improbable. well <laughs> now, yeah. in one trip. There's crocs and there's eels and there's a shark and there's yeah, yeah. you know, all these things that happen um, on each page. Now you've written picture books and you've written you know obviously junior fic and middle grade etc. In comedy. How do you do that differently as you go across different types of books?
0: I think with picture books, they, for me, tend to be quite intuitive, you know. Mm-hmm. So Errol is probably my funniest picture book in the sense that, you know, that's the one I can take to schools and kids always enjoy it, you know. And Year 6 kids are sort of secretly borrowing it from the library and stuff like that, even though it's that. like technically a baby book.
1: Um, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> no, I taught when I was a teacher, I used to bring um, picture books into Year 12 because yeah. I thought you need to appreciate this whole oh, yeah. of magic that is picture book. Yeah, but I think for me, you know, that
0: one sort of really emerged merged and and there was some for me that one the funniness came in the fact that errol was doing what he wasn't meant to be doing you know he was just staying in that one bit of the snow the whole way through the book and and that's where the comedy had come from so it was very very pared back and very simple whereas something for a chapter book i'm yeah like i said i'm building layers i'm exaggerating personality differences i didn't do any of that kind of prior work with something like Mm -hmm. errol though
1: Okay, it was much more
0: intuitive. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I had a real education. Actually, I've just finished um, my first junior fiction, which has gone to an editor, and Great. that took, <laughs> it took so long. It was only like yeah. eight months of just trying to write one chapter because I was like, "This is not funny." So, yeah, but I'll also, talk, it's we'll a talk new talk thing, thing for you. Yeah, Great. totally. Yeah. And what I quite like talking about is the education that I'm getting as you know, a new writer. Because mm. I think once that's done, you kind of might forget all that happened. Yeah. So, I'm really trying to explore the things that I've learned even though I don't know that I'm learning them. <laughs> so yeah. with Epic Dad, um, it was really important for that manuscript to be funny or ridiculous or exaggerated on every spread. You know, yeah. So every spread there's kind yeah. of like a punchline. Yeah. yeah, and so that's kind of what we came up with because I wrote that brief. The publisher was like, I want this dad story about this dad, blah, blah, blah. So I gave it a crack and, you know, we agreed that every spread should be like a joke. So narrative, narrative, ridiculous, punchline, you know, where you yeah. can do that. Yeah, And then I went in the same mindset to a J-fic, right? Yeah. So 14,000 words. I was like, okay, it has to be funny, like continually. Every page. Yeah. Every page, a couple mm-hmm. of jokes, every page. But what happened was it was just like there was so much Too much noise, on. yeah. Too much noise, exactly. Yeah. And so when, um, you know, my publisher and I sat down to read it, he was like, exactly that's too much noise like it needs yeah. space. Need space so that was a real education to make am like oh okay so what I was doing in a picture book was like up in the ante every five seconds interesting this needs some space and so uh, I really looked and I said okay like <laughs> this is how my brain works I need a spreadsheet so yeah. <laughs> picture books you want you use sort of a punchline in every spread what yeah. are you thinking for a jfic and here's yeah. exactly what you're saying a couple of jokes per chapter I'm like oh is that all you need
0: <laughs> yeah pull it back <laughs> That's great, though, that you had so much material to work with. So you could, and then you can pick your best jokes. Yeah, and exactly. I, I listen to a lot of comedy comedians, you know, talk on podcasts and things like that, and I, I get the impression a lot of what they do is just generating ma- massive amounts of material. And then editing it back, just like you are talking about. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's exactly what I did. And sometimes, you know, I was guilty of trying so hard to be funny that I'm like, oh, this actually isn't that funny. I'm going to take it out. Yeah. So it was actually quite a good exercise to go, like you said, I've got a lot here. I can just rip this out and it still doesn't matter. And in fact, when the jokes or the ridiculous are spread out, they actually have more impact. Mm. and so that was a really enjoyable i actually love editing adrian beck always teases me about oh you you just you're a masochist you love the feedback yeah (laughs) Yeah. telling you how terrible things are i (laughs) (laughs) I think it makes it better um but yeah i think that was a real education for me to go and, and and learn about comedy and say okay sometimes comedy needs space because a junior fic also needs to be about character and story and settings, Annie, was something that I just forgot to put in because I'm so character-focused. Yeah, yeah, And I was trying to, you know, spread the jokes and the ridiculous, all that out. I gave it to, you know, my good friend Rob McDonald, who's a crime writer and about to venture into kids' books. Mm. I got it to him to read before I sent it to my publisher for the second time. And he was like, this is great, love the characters, don't know where they are, though, <laughs> in any chapter. And I was like, oh. Oh. I bet I had to go yeah. back and put setting in. So it's funny that you can spend, like I spent eight months wrangling this thing, that you can spend so much time wrangling this thing because character and comedy and you put your focus into these things and forget to put them anywhere. In my head, I knew exactly Oopsies. where they were. <laughs> they but I've got to say that was an easier thing to do than someone saying, oh, add comedy or character. Like oh, that would yeah. be a whole new book, right?
0: <laughs> totally. So what out of those jokes works do you think? Like what it what it. What makes a good joke versus a bad joke from the ones oh, that you yeah, can really you think of any examples?
1: Or? Yeah, I think um I think yeah, I'm just going back to my Jfic. I think mm. just I think too much of the slapstick for yeah. me didn't need to be there so in the j fic you know it doesn't even exist yet it's still with the editor, just seeing if it's you know going to be published um but it's got that far yeah um it was really about the characters and how different they were so you know you've got this girl who has this focus on this one thing and this this boy who's kind of like just lives life you know by the seat of his pants and so Mm -hmm. that was that nice tension between them but I think what I took out was a lot of the slapstick stuff and I kind of like situational slapstick humor Mm. but i think you need to give it space and it needs to um it doesn't you don't need as much and so all the stuff i jammed in once i took it out i was like oh so when this slapstick happens later on Mm. and this gross thing happens it's funnier because there's been space around it yeah and it's got more impact then exactly so for me it was the removal of all that situational comedy that i'll just Save and maybe put in something else.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It was all just a good exercise in generating funny stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And I think because I'm still such a new writer, I don't mind doing that really hard edit or ripping the guts out of something because I'm still finding this is my education. And so, oh, okay, I got that wrong. Cool. Let's rip it out, gut it, try again because this is how I'm going to learn how to do the next thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You must, must do that stuff, that work, that, you know, all that material is is useful and will be used at some point. Or well, maybe not,
1: but it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's like the it helps the training grow, wheels. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's the training wheels. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I don't use everything. You know, when I was a teacher, I didn't use every single thing that I learned no. at university. But it's no. that, that basis and that choice of, well, I know this. Do I need to use it for this sort of situation? Yeah. what about you, Annie, like with Monsties or anything else you've written, how do you know that something's funny or you're going to back yourself that this is funny and, and, you know, what's worked and what hasn't worked for you?
0: Um, I mean, I, I suppose at a baseline, it has to appeal to my sense of humor, you know, so, uh, like I said, with the exaggerated characters, you know, so for example, in more Monsties, I've got Orla, who's like the little bossy one who's always right and who's always in charge and, and then you've got like the big, friendly, happy one who has to really contrast with her and uh, rub up against and they have to rub up against each other, mm. of course. And then you've got five, which is tricky because they all have to rub up against each yeah, other, and, it's tricky, you know, and how do you give all of them airtime? And anyway, so it's sort of has to make me laugh, I suppose, and entertain my sense of humour. Um, but in a way, I don't necessarily know until it's actually, well, I've been, you know, giving monsties to my little friends and reading it with them and being pleasantly surprised when they laugh and yeah. it's like, oh, wow, you do actually find that funny. That's really nice to know. But like I said, things like unexpected, you know, and relatable, the supermarket shopping with a trolley, and then taking that supermarket trolley and turning it into something that's completely not a supermarket trolley. Mm. Um, and, and children's books allow you that freedom, I suppose, more than anything. They can really exaggerate, make things really ridiculous um, and have a lot of fun with the parameters of physics, I suppose. Yeah,
1: and I love how kids just don't bat an eyelid at that. You know, my son has never come to me and said, how is it possible to construct a million-story treehouse with a swimming pool? Like, that's not even a question in their brain. So that's the, the joy and the magic of writing for kids, that if you write a good story with great characters... They're not going to question, you know, the reality of that. And I love no, about kids. It's my favorite thing about kids. You know, the magic oh, yeah. that they still have when they read books.
0: They're just so accepting, but also Andy and Terry, the characters or the people. You know, they're quite sort of committed to this and quite yes. serious about this. Yes. So, you know, they approach the treehouse It's like, yes, well, now this is happening and then this is happening and and that and when you do exaggerate the craziness of the treehouse and keep them being quite serious about it. Uh, I don't know, there's something funny in that, but it also yeah. helps us get into this zone of ridiculous and, and Absolutely. be okay
1: with it, yeah. Mm-hmm. I also found something really important for my epic dad because it's a picture book was mm-hmm. the rhyme and the pace. So originally yeah. when I had this conversation with um, James from and House, he was like, I'll try it in p- prose.
0: Because ah. my
1: extraordinary mum was in prose. And I thought, oh, okay, sure. And I tried it in prose and I just was not funny in prose. Ah. Like, it wasn't funny. It wasn't pacey. It was kind yeah. of really flat. Yeah. And I, you know, went against everything that you should do, what my publisher was telling me to do. And I went, I'm just going to try it in rhyme. Yeah. You know? uh-huh. And I tried it in rhyme and it just lifted the pace and the humour and i would then find things that i hadn't thought of before because i was you know going between thesaurus.com and uh-huh. um, i was going through rhyme zone and yep. i'd be like oh of course like that word works with this and that's what can happen and so some of my ideas were driven because of what i could put together and in rhyme
0: uh, interesting
1: and so i went back to the publisher and went, you know how you told me to write it in prose i'm sorry <laughs> can i just read you this in rhyme yeah. and you know rhyme is depends on what you think in picture books because you yeah. know overseas rights still can get a bit complicated yeah but um it just worked it worked for the pace of this book because every okay. page is like this is happening this is happening this has you know and it just didn't work in prose and i think your rhyme and pace rhyme probably more some pitch book but pace i mm-hmm. think it's really important in creating comedy as well would you agree
0: oh definitely uh yeah
1: definitely and i can see how that works is very
0: very important for the rhyme uh so do you, is it possibly about the repetition of certain lines do you think that that helps that pacing
1: yeah absolutely I think the repetition and you've given the reader a kind of a pace and a rhythm in which to read in yeah and so you know with your your meter and your rhyme it's giving them that oh this is the pace it's meant to be read in and because epic dad is this fast pace we fall down a wombat hole and then there's a shark and then there's a croc and then this happens and then you get those quieter moments bookend bookended at yeah, the back yeah, yeah. Yep. it just gives it that that i think that really nice pace and fun you know yeah. cuz i the other day i read my extraordinary mum to a bunch of preschoolers and yeah, nice. it was a very i read that first mm-hmm. very different vibe you know very kind of slow and thoughtful and whatever whatever and then i put that down i thought you know i did the order on purpose like, let's read my big dad and then the kids yeah. are like yeah jumping up pointing and i'm like it's oh, just wow. been very vibe
0: Well, i I had that experience with Pegasus because that was my first rhyming story. Uh, and definitely when I read that aloud, I find it, firstly, I find it so easy to read aloud. I can memorize it because yeah. it's in rhyme Yeah, and the kids come to certain, you know, they predict certain patterns in the rhyme Yeah, and then you've got the love page too. turn as well. Yeah. So you go, yeah. and then, and then they, they, they know what to predict. It's like, yeah. oh, it's going to be something, I don't know, that rhymes with me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, oh, mine's yeah. a ball.
1: Right. So yeah. it's like, you know the, the story story and then page turn and like what they what are they going to see and because it's the rhyme it's like a yeah. giant boar on the next page yeah nice and so if they don't get it they get close they're like warthog hippopotamus i'm like you're close, you're close. yeah 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 <laughs> and that's again
0: playing with that expectation predictability and then yeah. every now and then turning that on its head and then that's funny because yeah, it's unexpected exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. Something else that I took from my teacher life was I was an English teacher for a long time and I used to get kids to color code their essays. Oh, yeah. So green was a bit you're just telling retelling me the story. That's not where your marks are. Orange. This is, you know, analysis. This is getting good. And the red mm. is this is where you're getting your marks. There's yeah. examples from the text. There's a good analysis, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, go back with your draft, got the green, etc. cetera. Yeah. So when I first read My Epic Dad, which, can I tell you, was first called My Unlucky Dad, which uh, I can tell you why it was changed four days before printing, by the way. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I read it first to the publisher and, you know, he wasn't laughing as oh. much as I had hoped the first four <laughs> chapters. So I went, okay. It's not where I want it to be or where you want it to be. Let me go back and try something. So I thought, I wonder if I can colour code this thing like I Mm. used to do with essays. Mm. And all of a sudden I could visually see the energy of this manuscript. And the first four stanzas were all green. Like if I'm going green narrative, orange is kind of getting quirky and red was meant to be the punchline. The first four stanzas were all green. So I was Ah. telling, you know, inexperienced writer here, I was telling... The reader that they're going camping for four stanzas yeah I'm like, okay this no. doesn't need to happen no and so i basically gutted it and now it's one stanza one nice. spread and so it's got that sort of set up in the beginning yeah quietness at the end yeah and then every other stanza i sort of tried to set up as a joke so each yep. was color-coded in those two or three colors yeah and then i went back and then it had the energy that was required nice. for it. So it was really interesting oh. when I went back and, and visually you can immediately see where the energy is and isn't in your yeah. scoop. I just wanted oh, another that. layer. Yeah, another layer of editing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And with a picture book it is quite restrained. So you do, I mean, well, any style of writing, you have to build up climax. You have to build up tension mm-hmm. all the way to mm-hmm. the end to get to that climax. And same, yeah, so when I was writing Pegasus, I'm interested in, I don't want it to flatline, so I have to amp up the stakes, amp it up, amp it up. And you have to do that in any story writing, yeah. but it's true definitely for comedy. Absolutely. Um, yeah, because a you need point. that release of tension yeah. uh,
1: at the climax um, yeah. for it to work, for it to have a payoff. Yeah, that's actually a really great point. And I sort of didn't know I was doing that, but was doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so I launched uh, I. Haven't, I've been fishing like twice in my life, Sunny. Um And so I watch a lot of YouTube clips about fishing. Um, mm-hmm. YouTube fail clips on fishing, which you know are funny and also brutal. Try watching the ones on parkour for the next book. Wow. wow, I needed. A- to yeah. have a real break from all that those injuries
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> i scared um,
1: for you yeah, I, was, I was scared for me i was just watching the safety of my lounge room um <laughs> but i did that sort of mind map thing where i was like well what could happen if they go fishing and i did yeah. all these things all these animals they could come against and then i sort of rated them yeah. from least to most ridiculous yeah. or scary or wild and that's exactly how the manuscript sort of panned out so that's yeah. interesting that you say that is is really necessary to keep upping the ante
0: Yeah, and I think a mind map actually is a really good visual for planning anything funny because here's your first thought. Now let's branch that out. And, and how far can we actually go with this? You know, yes. how, how ridiculous, how extreme, how funny, how unlucky can we take this? How <laughs> I mean, dangerous. When do you need to pull back? <laughs> and when do you need to pull back? How do you know? Did you I have know. like a system for yourself or was okay. that just done on intuition? Well,
1: again, this was my education. So there's another um, My Epic Dad book coming out where he's doing all these kind of wild sports, right? And that's not out all next year, I think. Mm-hmm. And After reading Fishing and Camping to Kids, and like we're talking young kids because it's a picture book, I had to really put the disclaimer in like lots of unlucky things happen to dad, but (laughs) he's fine at the end. Yeah. You know, so they have that safety that we're just going to have fun, see what happens to dad, but at the end, all good, right? And so they were good with that. And then when I, after I'd read it a number of times to kids, I went back to the third manuscript and I'm like, oh, this is a bit, it's a bit much so we had dad doing these wild sports and like losing teeth and that's funny for me and i'm like oh i think that's gonna be too much for little kids so i went back through the manuscripts and i pulled back on those lines and so now his teeth were just sort of a bit wobbly after he oh, you know, had a bit okay. of an accident okay. and, you know, and you know so I just softened these things so they were yeah. still funny but they were much more age appropriate and i wasn't giving okay. six-year-olds anxiety nightmares so I, that they,
0: all the yeah, teeth are going to fall out yeah
1: right. <laughs> but it's funny because the kids come up with this stuff you yeah. know like when i was talking to fishing like oh the shark eats the dad so they still come up with these really wild excessive ideas but I think that's okay as long as I don't come up with them.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you can pull them you back. Know? That's your job exactly. as so the adult in the room. my job, exactly,
1: yeah. to pull it back. They can have their wild ideas, but at yeah. the end of the day, it's got to be, it's interesting with that age group because it's going to be funny, but it's also got to be safe.
0: Well, I think that's actually one of the basic rules of comedy, which is makes it different from tragedy, is that in the end, all the characters are fine, you mm-hmm. know?
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: you can take things to such a ridiculous level because you know, we all yep. know, because we've consumed enough comedy in our lives that it's all going to work out fine in the end. So that's, that's right. why you can take it to such extreme mm. levels. And yeah. I think
1: if you're five, you may not know that You might yet. not know that. That's true. <laughs> so I always start with, this: dad. He's optimistic. He's adventurous. Yeah. He loves camping, but, wow, he has some really unlucky moments, but yeah. all good in the end. Let's read.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also the pictures are a clue. You exactly. know, your, your cover tells the kids it's safe, it's colourful, exactly. it's fun, It's going to be okay in the end, you know. You're absolutely right. It's not this vicious snake. The snake actually looks like it's smiling. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because had you put like a big black cover on the front, you know, and dark charcoal, mark making. This is for nightmares. Then maybe the kids might be a little bit more cautious when dad's getting his wobbly teeth. They'd be concerned.
1: And that's something else I mentioned before about the change of the title, right? Mm. So the publisher's like, unlucky dad, this is what I want, try and write it. And then I said we well, you know, we both agreed. and said, so, well, we don't want this dad to be useless or stupid. Mm-hmm. We want this dad to be optimistic and amazing and adventurous and uh-huh. resilient, yeah. right? And that's important for kids yeah. and empowered. But just like <laughs> unlucky stuff happens to him. Yeah. And so we're working with that the whole way through. And four days, <laughs> it was only four days before my big dad takes us camping. It was my unlucky dad takes us camping. Went to print. Yep. Yeah. I was having these nightmares and these, oh, my God, I don't think it's right. I think it's sending the wrong message to the dad. Oh, my uh, God, oh, my God. So I, I sort of swung it past, you know, I managed, happened to have, um, you know, coffee with uh, Jacqueline Harvey that week and I'm like, mm, can I pick your brain about something? Mm-hmm. You know, she's very kind, but gave me her feedback. And then I spoke to Adrian Beck and I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I'm right about this. Mm-hmm. So I just had this most awkward conversation with my publisher. I'm like, oh, I've got to have this conversation with you. Mm-hmm. I'm scared, but I, I really, you know, believe that this is the right choice. And so we talked it out. It's like, yeah, all right. I think that's I think that's right. And so we went back. Wow. And we Changed the cover, like, well, not the cover, but just the words. You know, three days before wow. printing, and I just feel like it. made That was all the, the right difference. choice. It was the right choice. You know. So we said. Set- trusting your instinct would you say i think so yeah Mm. and i don't die on every hill not as a new writer you know if the publisher says i hate your ending which he did and makes extraordinary mom i change it (laughs) you know if they say something i'll change it because i trust them they've published books before i hadn't but yeah and i think that's when you become trusted as a writer when you're like yeah "Yeah, i'll change that yeah i'll change that i'll change that but when something is really big i'm like i have to talk to you about this and it was it was a really uncomfortable conversation like i felt really awkward and uncomfortable but it was bothering me so much and I think if if your thoughts are always about what's the best thing we can create yeah and that's how I how I sort of brought that conversation yeah. to the table yeah you know and everyone was like actually yeah I think you're right so yeah. I think if you don't die on every hill when there's a hill that you really believe on people yeah. listen to you absolutely and
0: you did your due diligence you talked to experienced writers you fleshed it out and you thrashed it out and you you it wasn't just trusting yourself you were yeah. actually sort of doing your research as well
1: yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's always down myself you know <laughs> it's one of the special qualities I have Sammy. So. <laughs>
0: well no I think well most authors probably have all, all the people I know who are published have uh, their fair chunk of self-doubt on their shoulders and I think it's important to have that because that is your you weighing in and it's your, in, you know, uh, inherent editor, isn't it? So it's the yeah, thing that tells yeah. you when to pull back, tells you which chunks you need to take out. Now, you can't keep all of this. You must
1: pull it back for the rest of it to work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that self-doubt, as long as it's on that nice edge of not being paralyzing. No,
0: no, that's <laughs> um, not necessary. I think the balance of
1: that is really good because if you think you've got nothing to learn, I think you can get into a scary space. But I think if you're paralysed so much you can't write anything, that's not good either. So I think a good level of self-doubt, which I think, like you said, most writers, creative people actually just have naturally. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Look, it's a really, really important part. And I think about it. Actually, I think Stephen King, uh, me and Stephen, we think about this in a similar way.
1: (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Me and my mate Stephen (laughs) Me and my mate
0: Stephen. So, no, he talks about it as writing with the door closed, your first draft, and then you write with the door open. And I think that's a really nice metaphor to think about. Because in a way you do have to have ridiculous optimism and belief in yourself and confidence in yourself writing that first draft and then you you take a rest, enjoy the fun of all of that and then come back in with your other self-doubty hat on and (laughs) can be a little bit more stringent in your analysis of yourself and your writing.
1: Yeah, I think so. What surprised you the most about writing comedy or what was the biggest lesson that you've had?
0: Oh, my goodness. I'm not sure actually. Maybe mm, just that I suppose it is about trusting yourself and just knowing that if I just listen to uh, what entertains me, it will also work, you know, Um, because I wouldn't consider myself a funny person. I don't put myself out there as a funny person as such, but, you know, I definitely enjoy comedy and I enjoy humor Mm. and I enjoy funny things. So just allowing that to come into my writing and trusting that that's actually going to work on the page, that probably was a very pleasant surprise for me.
1: Mm, I find yeah. that actually really interesting that you don't consider yourself a funny person, that you write funny books. Isn't that interesting? You've got these two sort of well, things I think, inside you. I love I that. I think
0: what it is, is that, yeah, like I said, I just love funny things. I love comedy. I, I you know, I, Uh, Any book I read has to have some sort of comic element. Like my favourite genre is rom-coms. I don't like serious things. So it's probably that's what's driving my creativity as well. You know, it has to entertain me for that Mm. duration of me writing it. So the thing I'm writing at the moment is 40,000 words. I have to enjoy it. You know, there (laughs) has to be funny characters. There has to be light moments. For it to satisfy my sense of creativity as well, mm. Mm. but I just
1: find that really interesting that you you know you can you can write these mm. amazingly funny stories and yet you don't consider yourself so there'll be no Zanny stand up comedy coming. Oh no, I don't. Soon.
0: No, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't
1: see that future for myself. <laughs> that's disappointing. I was right. going to pitch the Danny and Zanny stand up comedy. Oh, oh, oh okay. <laughs> well,
0: I'm happy to do that. If you're there, that's that's different. Yeah. Well, Danny and Zanny definitely has to become some sort of brand. I, I don't I know. I think what it's so. It needs be. to be something.
1: We'll think has about it. It has to be it. something. It's too yeah. good not to use for something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's like maybe we open up a pizza restaurant or something. Oh, like like I, that. Like yeah. I like it. Danny and Zanny it. pizza. <laughs> I think
1: that I don't works know. really well, well. I love pizza. <laughs> Pizza's
0: great. We love pizza. Maybe Good we job. could have show reruns of Scrubs happening in the background.
1: Oh, okay. I'm there. I'm so there already. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah. Be great. And
0: is, uh, what about you with Epic Dad? What is the funniest moment? Do you think personally? Do you have a favorite joke or spread mm, or funniness in it?
1: Yeah, I think what has become really funny for me was what has become really funny for the kids. Mm. And so there's a there's a point in there where there's Crocs. And what rhymes with uh, crops, Annie? Jocks.
0: Ah, uh, nice.
1: <laughs> and they tear off his jocks. Yeah, no, So they tear off his pants and so they reveal his jocks. Yeah. And, you know, I thought that was fairly amusing. But when I tell the kids and he's got little love hearts on his of you course. Know, jocks, and that's funny too. just hysterical. Yeah. Like I have to stop because they all laugh so much at that page. So I think that's become my favourite page because of the reactions that I've gotten from the yeah. kids.
0: Well, even in my This Is Love picture book, at the end there's a uh, show don't tell uh show and show don't tell, show and tell scene, you know, in the classroom. And the characters put her favorite undies on her head. I don't know it's the undies, right? Undies, undies. undies are funny. And it's undies are funny and they're on her head. And it's like a, <laughs> a book about love. I don't know.
1: <laughs> it is funny. And so yeah, I, I think um, really tapping into that humor of kids, I think, is fun and,
0: yeah. and always having
1: that education of what's funny and fun for kids. So that's been, you know, such a joy because yeah. I think, and I think that's the joy of writing kids' books is because, you know, being an adult, oh, serious business, eh? Annie. <laughs> yeah. A lot of responsibility going on. And, yeah. you know, especially in the current climate, a bit of extra anxiety for us all. I think oh,
0: just hanging look out, out, with out for kids, the fun
1: right yeah hanging out with kids and seeing their reaction and writing for kids because they don't need to know any of that stuff that's going on in the world you know we need to protect them from that and i think that's why kids books are so important and so valuable you know during COVID, you know books Mm. and, and tv shows for kids like they saved them you know they protected them from the really scary things that were, and the unknown that were going on in the world. And they don't need that. You know, when they're adults, they'll have to deal with that themselves. But Absolutely. Our jobs as parents and writers to, to give them as much joy and protect them from the stuff that they don't need to know at the moment.
0: Yeah, I, I know adults who live alone and watch Bluey in their free time just because it's safe, it's warm, it's fun, it's escape. But it's, you know, we need that uh, mm. level of loveliness in our life. Bluey's have, not a kid's show, Zanny. Bluey's for everyone. Bluey's an everyone <laughs> show. But I, I have to say that uh, I, yeah, I'm yeah, i not a funny person, but, um, you know, we're always doing silly dances in the kitchen yeah. at home. Like my life is joyful and yeah. fun and, and funny and silly. Um, mm. Yeah, so I'm definitely not taking up um, stand-up comedy anytime soon. <laughs> that's what I was going
1: to say. It's like I, I see you as that. I see you as that joyful, yeah. fun, quirky yeah, yeah, person. And so, but that's. Yeah, I don't think you need to be able to, you know, do stand up comedy to be no. funny. No, true. Well, good. Good. I now can relax. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: it's 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 one brand of humour and Absolutely. one thing Absolutely. that people are very skilled at, Absolutely. and I don't have to
1: be skilled at that. I can no, be skilled, skilled at, at skilled at many things being silly. At yeah. Exactly. I've Silly got um, yeah. love <laughs> it. We need more of that on Instagram, yeah. by the way, Zanny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it is on my bucket list, need to do one of those, you know, open mic nights and, and do a comedy. Really?
0: That is on my never will do ever. That is to me the idea of the scariest <laughs> thing in the world is open mic comedy. Really?
1: <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. It's on my bucket list. I'm not saying wow. I'm gonna do it in a
0: week. But oh. it is on
1: my bucket list that I'd really oh. love to just get up there and and hopefully no I'll know no one in the room. So oh. if it's a complete disaster, I'll just walk out and never think about it ever again. <laughs> I will
0: have full respect and admiration <laughs> if you ever do this, Danny. Actually, I, I, my brother did this once. He did a oh, stand-up yeah. comedy thing and I just was like, wow, my <laughs> rating for you has just gone through the roof. This to me is bigger than jumping out of a plane. You know, this is incredible that someone would do this. It's amazing. Oliver yeah.
1: Pomeran, he does stand up comedy.
0: No, but he's like, oh my gosh, he is hilarious. I know. Like, that I guy know. is made for stand up comedy. Yeah, he, yeah, is. he is. <laughs> is incredible. I love the way he, like, in real life, he seems like, you know, quite a sort of somber, you know, I don't know, normal person. Then he gets up on stage and he's just extreme he he's is. Just
1: hilarious even with the kids you know seeing him on stage with yeah. kids he's amazing oh, and he just turns it on and yeah. the kids love him
0: yeah he's yeah. incredible energy and that is a lot of stand-up comedy possibly yeah. is that Electricity that 's sort of generated between you and the audience and and just the fun that comes out of that uh, yeah, it's wonderful watching those yeah. people perform
1: I think yeah absolutely right I've loved this chat, Zannie, it's been I think, lovely yeah, I think just focusing on on you know the struggles and the joys of writing something that's actually very hard but doesn't seem hard, which I think is the magic in it, you know when you read mm-hmm. something that 's seamless. And when the rhyme or the pace, all that's invisible and the comedy, you're not looking at, oh, they've used that technique, but it's just fun and funny yeah. and enjoyable to read. That's where the magic is, right? All that other stuff is invisible yeah. to the reader.
0: Yeah, definitely. But I would say for me it's just about having fun with it in the first place. You know, yeah. if you enjoy it, then other people will enjoy it, you know. And I, I know that Kyla enjoys the drawing. Uh, I I enjoy the writing side of things. so. To me I feel that fun and that joy just coming through in the story and I don't know, that's what I need when I'm writing comedy. Yeah,
1: yeah absolutely. I need that and I need my two little critics who <laughs> live with me um, yes. who made me keep writing this JFIG for eight months. Zanny, it's only 14,000 on words. It took me for eight months because they were like, <laughs> yeah, that's okay, Mom. It's not that funny.
0: Keep going. Yeah. Right.
1: right they were right you know and i I think i have to trust them because they do read kids books and they are kids and when i finally finally got there eight months later over for me i don't know if this is a very productive writing style but i have to get the first chapter right ish mm-hmm. you know as right as I possibly can and then that propels me to go bam let's go yeah and so I would probably I probably spent eight or nine months writing one or two chapters and then once I felt like that was right I could go bam and write the next oh, in you know, a month or two yeah it's really yeah. not if it's correct mm. but that's how my brain works mm. and so it took me about eight or nine months to get that chapter right and yeah. then finally my kids were like oh that's really funny mom I'm like yeah. oh my god
0: that, that's the work you have to put in. Yeah, took that's me eight
1: months, but no, hey, here okay. we go. <laughs> and I've met
0: your kids, and your kids are legit funny. I i, I trust them. If they think it's funny, I yeah, I, I'm happy. I can't wait Never to grow it.
1: up, kids. What am I going to do when they're sulky teenagers? <laughs> oh, no, they'll,
0: they'll have their funny size. I've got a teenager, and she's really funny still, so yeah. don't worry, they'll still be funny. <laughs> good,
1: good. I used well, to work with teenagers, and they are joyful. They're you know, they're, yeah. they're sulky, but they're joyful too. So that's yeah, you
0: is. will be joyful. I need you, you be to joyful. be, yes. Otherwise you're out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> Roof only exists if you were here to support my comedy writing. That's right. Yeah. Tell me some jokes. <laughs> Tell me some Be funny. Um, well, good luck with Epic Dad. I'm so excited to read it. I think it's going to be great. Uh and it's just been so much fun talking with you today, Danny.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I really appreciate this conversation too, because you know, we're talking about, you know, our current books, but I know how much you've written and how much you put into the world, Danny, and how much you support other mm-hmm. writers too. So Thank you. You know, I don't want to underestimate the work you do not only for yourself but for other people. So thank you for the time.
0: Yeah, it's been wonderful.